0: Get ready to rumble! <laughs> All right, welcome to episode seven of the Red Line podcast. Uh, we're pleased to have our soccer insiders here today, Colin and Dave Schlegel. Um, Blake and I are, are really excited to talk about this as the uh, Premier League is getting up and going here on the weekend. So, this is a bit of a preview show. We're going to talk about um the different transfers that have happened over the past summer we'll talk about uh kind of our predictions for this for this next year and uh and yeah we'll we'll have some fun so colin and dave welcome to the show
1: hello hey great to be here
0: awesome awesome we're really excited to have you um obviously on social media we've been pumping you guys up over the past little while but we haven't had that chance to uh get you guys on the on the podcast so just love to maybe get a little introduction from each of you, and maybe we'll start with Colin. Uh, maybe give us a little bit about your background in soccer, who you've supported over uh, the course of your life up to this point, and maybe a little bit into your favorite player.
2: All right. Well, obviously, Dave and I are brothers, and we grew up in England, so soccer was like the main thing. Um, and there was a few other sports we watched and followed, but it was pretty much soccer all the way um i remember playing quite a lot and also cheering for liverpool since i was about maybe six or seven and i've uh, been following them all the way since then since the uh year when they lost the league to arsenal on, on the last day in 1989 so yeah it's been a long ride until this last season when they finally won again yes yeah. uh it's <laughs> it's been been fun to follow them because uh what I love about following Liverpool, I guess, is, is the hum- human story to it. You know, when you uh, – I think sports has this way of drawing us in when there's um, a story to follow of people who are striving against the odds. Mm-hmm. And uh, Liverpool's definitely been a story like that. Hard work and progression and uh, some incredible mountaintops, like when they won the Champions League in 2005, 3-0 down at halftime to the best team in the world and still came back to win. That was just one of those endearing moments of sport that uh, kind of inspires inspires you to think, okay, if I try hard, I can do anything sort of thing. And um, in, in cheering for Liverpool, my favourite player was uh, Xabi Alonso for a long time, along with Stephen Gerrard and Mascherano and that best midfield in the world back in 2009. Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved... When I played soccer, I just like the only thing I was good at was passing. I wasn't very good at shooting or tackling or heading. <laughs> yeah. All the hard stuff, I couldn't do it. So when I saw a guy on the field who could play like a pinpoint pass and thread the needle, so like, you know, seeing a pass that no one else on the field can see and then making it work and creating a goal out of nothing, that kind of drew my attention. And uh, so Alonso was definitely my. My favorite player growing up and so yeah that's my story
0: yeah what a fall from grace hey in 2009 for steven gerrard playing next to to chabby alonzo and Mascherano. to in 2010 playing next to Milan vanovich and christian polson
2: <laughs> what happened there oh we know good time yeah
0: <laughs> oh man you mentioned 2005 blake uh were you were you a Liverpool fan in 2005 when the when the Champions League final was on That then?
3: No, I hadn't started watching soccer at that point. I think it was around, when was it, 2010 or 2011. So it was, yeah, quite a bit after.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly wasn't really, I was probably in the fifth grade at that point. I wasn't super into it by then. I, I remember starting, uh, started following it. Colin actually got me into it uh well not into soccer but into following Liverpool in about 2008 kind of right after uh Liverpool played in the Champions League final against AC Milan the second time round right Uh, right and I yeah I remember kind of following them after that so um yeah it's been it's been near and dear to my heart ever since but um, thanks for the introduction, Dave. It's great to have you along as well. We had you on in another earlier episode, um, yeah, right. which was which was great. We had some some good banter. Uh, tell us a little bit <laughs> about about your history in following soccer. And I know uh, you and Colin have a little bit of a rivalry back in the day when you were kids. <laughs> who you would support?
1: Yeah, um, I was uh, I was a Coventry City fan back when they were. Dominating the mid-table in the Premier League Um, and yeah I mean soccer was was never really my thing it was always Colin's thing and um, so I'll be honest like soccer's been a part of my life my whole life I went to probably went to my first live game when I was five or six Um, and um, Colin's been mental about it forever so um, it was a big part of my life, but it wasn't something I really followed for myself until much later, like probably 2013, 2014, that, that season when Liverpool missed it by one game. And uh, that was, oh. yeah, the Jared slip, I remember that was, that was the first time I was like, okay, I'm really into this now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm a relatively new, relative newcomer. Um, my soccer memories are Colin crying when Bayern Munich lost the Jam Music final to Manchester United in 99 oh. <laughs> and I remember him standing on the street just bawling his eyes out. It was, I was like, wow, okay, this, is, this means something to some people. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: so
1: awesome. yeah, I have vivid memories of that. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I'm a relative newcomer. I have some history, but I was not following it closely.
0: I just kind of envisioned Colin sitting on this street corner looking through a, <laughs> a rainy window with his hand <laughs> his hand pressed up against it with uh, Sarah McLachlan playing soft in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: uh, that's was pretty worse. much
0: it. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> well, it's great to have you both on. Um, I'm excited to dive into this the transfer windows are some of my favorite times in soccer just with the rumor mill uh, turning and churning um, and there's a lot of rumors that always get thrown around and you have to be a little bit <laughs> a little bit wary of the sources because who knows where some of these rumors are coming from but mm-hmm. in terms of uh, some some big things that are happening. It looks like um, some of the big talking points have been around Everton now their big claim to fame is their five time dominance of um, winning the transfer window five times in a row, but they seem to always end up in the table, <laughs> which is incredible. Um, and we love we love to poke fun at Everton, but uh, maybe I'll start with you, Blake, uh, I'll toss it to you. What are kind of your thoughts on some of Everton's big signings this transfer window.
3: Well, so, so far they've got four guys in and obviously the biggest name they've got is James Rodriguez from Real Madrid, who was the star of the show in the World Cup a couple of years, World Cups ago. And that'll be interesting, I think, because he's kind of been a letdown since he's, uh, his rise to fame in the World Cup, but he's had a lot of problems when he was in uh, Real Madrid. So it'll be interesting to see him on a team where he'll be starting hopefully every game and not get injured. So. He could be a real threat. And the other one would be DeCure. And I personally think he's kind of overrated. Um, that might just be because he's playing for a bad Watford team. And once he gets into a team with some more quality, he might shine and rise up a little bit. But I think that's an average signing. And the other yeah. two, I don't know a lot about them, personally. I haven't watched a lot of European games this year to, because I haven't really been on <laughs> with all the COVID and stuff. So
0: totally.
3: not too familiar with them, but... Yeah. Rodriguez could be pretty scary and DeCourie. Yeah. Average. That's my opinion, but
0: yeah. Yeah. I was kind of surprised. I was not surprised rather to see uh, Carlo Ancelotti bring in somebody from Napoli. I am a bit surprised that it was Alan, but um, being, being the guy that he is and kind of the, the first prestigious coach that they've had in a while at Everton um I think I think he was bound to bring in something. But maybe, Colin, I'll kind of throw it to you when it comes to to Carlo Ancelotti. What do you think he... This is kind of his first real uh, season where he gets to dig his heels in. Uh, what is kind of your take on what he could bring to Everton?
2: Well, he's a master tactician. I mean, we remember him from, like you said, 2007 Champions League final against Liverpool, AC Milan. And he was also the coach in oh five when Benitez masterminded that win so he's been around for many years real madrid manager for a long time and he knows his you know his stuff when it comes to how to set up a team and then bringing in these big names like honestly uh james rodriguez is a real quality player if he can reveal his qualities like he has underachieved but uh what a player and same with Alan, I really like him. When I used to watch the Liverpool Napoli games, he always stood out and impressed me. So uh, that that makes them a strong midfield there with De Curé as well. So, Dave, I have a question for you because didn't you name your car Hames after like the World Cup when Hames Rodriguez was so good? I do. I have a
1: <laughs> tradition of naming my vehicles after soccer players that were hot at the moment. <laughs> So, currently in my driveway, I have Riyad Mahrez the second and Hamas <laughs> Rodriguez the second. So, um, I did, we did buy that car, uh, the, the, it was the week of the quarterfinal when he scored that amazing goal in the World Cup, so that was, that was my go-to. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> and you're a Liverpool fan, and now he signed Everton,
1: you've got to sell Uh-oh. this car. <laughs> You know what? It's actually been sitting parked for the last three months and I'm probably about to sell it. So there you go. (laughs) Perfect. Good time. Proper fan.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I
0: got standard. Oh, man. I love it. I'm I'm staying in the Premier League, obviously, but one of the newcomers this year to the Premier League is Leeds. Um, And Leeds have never been in the Premier League since I've been following the Premier League. They've always been – um kind of in league one and they've always been one of those teams that people have been like oh they're a massive team they belong in the premier league but they've never been there since the early 2000s um maybe maybe colin i'll, I'll chat with you about this a little bit what kind of um or what are you excited about i should say about Leeds coming to the premier league
2: well i mean jared you're crazy young if you can't remember Leeds in the premier league
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> They were a top five team for years and years, but
2: I'm just kidding around, but you know what seriously, they will always bring a fight. that's the reputation they have mm-hmm. is their physical, they're intense like there's there's more red cards in a Leeds game than any other game <laughs> and uh, and that's not a joke like I'm not exaggerating when they play their rivals, especially I think like I'm not an expert on Leeds, but I think Tottenham Chelsea those teams they always had a bit of spite with Manchester United and uh, probably us. And so I think that they come in having won the league of the championship after trying so many years to get back in the Premier League. And now they play us at Anfield as we are the Premier League champions on their first game. They are going to be up for it. Like it's going to be an intense match to watch. And we may have, or I say we Liverpool may have a, a lot more quality players but the intensity, ferocity of that game will level the playing field, and uh, they also—I think—they brought in a really good striker from Valencia. Um, do you guys remember his name? Is it?
0: Yeah, Rodrigo. I think is his name, right? Rodrigo Yeah. Reno? Yeah, Rodrigo. Yeah,
2: I think he's the Spain starting striker
1: right now. Yeah, twenty-six million they pay for him.
0: Wow.
2: So he could end up lighting up the Premier League this year. I think they'll be a good team to watch.
0: I do too. Uh, I'm a
1: super. Yeah. Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah. No. Go ahead, Dave. I
1: was gonna say, Elsa is is. I'm excited for him. I everything I hear about this guy is that he's a fantastic manager and, and a real personality. So, um, and that's that's what does it in the Premier League is is big personalities. I feel like he can be a good manager, and that's fine. But. I know the reason everyone loves Klopp is because of his personality, and I think Bielsa has a bit of that. People just seem to love the guy, so I'm excited to see that.
0: Yeah, that's definitely what I've heard uh, for sure, is that uh, he's got a big personality, and he's kind of a, a down-to-earth type manager that is that his players really love. He's like the normal one version, too. I, I... <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, he's
2: had a big uh, history well in the game. I think he was Argentina's national coach for a while, and some other big jobs. So for him to go to the championship when Leeds were there was, he was the star name in the whole, whole division. So yeah, Leeds have a good manager, good striker and some really good players. So that'll be fun.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be one to watch for sure. Um, kind of switching gears here. Another team that's been splashing the cash over, um, the, the summer transfer window is Chelsea. I'll throw to you, Blake. Um, There's some big names on that list of players that have come in and there's a few on, on the out list as well. Kind of your thoughts on the transfer window that Chelsea's had so far.
3: Yeah. Chelsea's made some killer signings. I would say they've got a lot of good potential players that have come in here with Timo Werner and Zajic and, you know, people that have performed at high levels and they're bringing it, coming into a Chelsea team that's pretty young. So if they stick around for a long time, it could uh, they could definitely rise up and become a superpower again. And they might have a chance at the league, honestly, I, I would consider them. And uh, yeah, they've got a lot of quality coming in, like proven players, not a lot of young guys that are, they'll do have Havertz coming in, but he's pretty young. And Joel, I think is also fairly young, but they're proven. They're not just like fringe players from a different squad. They're solid so it should be interesting to see how they just slot into the team i think the biggest name leaving would be william probably going to arsenal and i understand that he would why he would leave it was kind of a a dead team but when he was there and now he's left and all these good signings are coming in so he might be regretting that now but uh i don't think that'll affect them too much he was kind of arguably one of their better players but with all these other signings coming in i don't think it'll impact chelsea's too much because they're It'll be pretty pretty solid now
0: yeah yeah I think I think it's a good point that you make I think I think it was a good time for for Willian to leave I was kind of hoping honestly that Liverpool might be in for him um be, just because of the Brazilian connection and he's quick and he's really skilled he's good at free kicks I thought he would would have been a good rotation player that we could uh, use as support for Salah and Mane but oh well he went oh. to Arsenal uh, he's he's i have gone to the retirement team, so it's totally that's bad. right. <laughs> um, maybe maybe I'll I'll just kind of touch on a couple of these players in Chelsea. Timo Werner, like the guy's a he's a beast. He's he's yeah. Germany's lead striker. He's uh, lit it up with Red Bull Leipzig in in the Bundesliga as well. The Champions League. He's going to be really big for them. Um, Hakim Ziyech, he with Ajax, like he's been. He's been good. Admittedly, I haven't seen him that much in Eredivisie in um, in Holland. But uh, what I have been seeing, I have seen him a lot in, like, the World Cup and stuff for Morocco, I believe, is who he played for. And, and he was really good. But the one name that's intriguing to me is Kai Havertz. I don't know. Maybe I'll ask you, Colin, to see. Do you have any insight on Kai Havertz? Well, I
2: haven't sat down and watched uh, a whole game of his I uh, generally only watch the Liverpool games these days, but from what I've read about him and seen little highlights, like he is one of the premier midfielders in the world coming through as a younger star. And uh, I mean, to have played so well for Leverkusen, who are probably like the fifth or sixth best team in Germany since he was a teenager and been scoring so many goals. I think actually what drew him this is just my guess is he's a bit of a Lampard and Lampard's the coach of Chelsea. He was a midfielder who could score goals from center mid by charging in and just getting, getting that shot away, being a poacher in the box. And he's a bit like that. And I think he's thinking this will advance my career and Chelsea, I don't know where, well, we do know where they're getting all their money from, right? From Russia and from Abramovich and his uh, billions. But uh, they've gone and spent so much money and Havertz, you know, he is he's an incredible signing for them. He could end up being one of the top five in the world in, in a few years.
0: Yeah, for sure. He does seem to be kind of pegged on that same level of the the Jaden Sancho's and the the Killian Mbappes and the Trent Alexander Arnolds, like the totally prospects of the world. And I'm I'm definitely intrigued to to see him play this year. Um, well, and
2: you put him with uh, Christian Pulisic, who's just, I think he's one of the best players yeah. um, on Chelsea. And then Timo Werner. And like you said, they've already got Ziyech. And, and Abraham and Mount and Giroud. Like, what a what a forward
0: line or two they have.
3: Yeah, they've Incredible. got some depth now for sure, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's crazy the, the amount of... There's like an abundance of riches there that they have. It's, it's going to be cool to watch. I'm not a big Chelsea fan, obviously, but um, I, I definitely am looking forward to seeing kind of how they pan out this year. I will say they have one big weakness and that's their goalie. <laughs> yep. yep. They do for sure. Um, I'll, <laughs> and it's interesting because they paid just as much for him as we did for Allison and the, and the quality difference there is drastic. Yeah that was a panic buy I think. Yeah for sure. Let's let's jump in here to, to talking about our favorite team Liverpool because I'm intrigued to talk about them a little bit um, and we've only made one signing so far. Bit of an underwhelming window to say the least however we did address um, one of the main areas that we needed to. So maybe I'll start with you Dave. Um, kind of your first thoughts on our left back purchase in Costas Semicus from Olympiacos
1: uh, again, he was someone I was unfamiliar with before the window I've kind of seen a couple of videos online and try to catch up a little bit of, of who he is. I think he'll be a great fit. Uh, we saw him play in a in a friendly or two and um, yeah, I'm excited I think I mean. <laughs> It's hard to look at Chelsea's window and then look at ours and think, well, we're, we're bringing in one backup. <laughs> and they're bringing in all these like, you know, starters. So it's a bit hard to see. But honestly, that's kind of how Klopp's done business for the last few years. If you look at the players he's brought in, how many of them got into starting eleven right away? Like that, that isn't his game. Um, you've seen it with Keita, you're seeing it a bit with Minamino now, like it takes people a little while to get into Klopp's game. And I think he's got a really good, he's got a good starting 11 right now. And he's, he's rather than bringing in people that are just going to walk in and take over, he's spending his money wisely. He's bringing in people who are going to be excellent support players in the coming seasons. And hopefully he brings in a couple more, but I'm, you know, slightly disappointed that we haven't seen the, uh, you Thiago know, or someone like that coming in, but I think we'll. I think I think he's not done yet. You put it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think he's done yet, but uh, I'm definitely interested to see how he he gets on this season because he's very much a Robertson Jr. in terms of his um, kind of traits as a player. He's quick. He's left-footed. He's very agile. He's really good at crossing. So he's a really good fit from that standpoint. He's got champions league experience. um, So I'm definitely interested to see, to see how he gets on, but I'd like to maybe pick your brain a little bit, Colin, about some of the outgoings that we've had and maybe who else should leave so far, um, kind of the big names who have left have been Lovren um, from, from defense as well as Klein um, being released. And then, Adam Lalana in the midfield. Maybe just your thoughts on those three and then maybe some other thoughts on who else you think should leave this summer.
2: Yeah, those three, they had their time, but that was a long time ago and they should have left two years ago. So I don't know. They were kicking around, you know, as backup players. And then whenever they came on, it was like, oh my goodness, this is not going to go well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, the reality is they were good personalities. I think that's why especially Lovren and Alana were kept around is because they had a good reputation and a good, you know, mentality in the dressing room, but they weren't adding much on field. And so letting them go means we've freed up some, uh, some wages that we could now reinvest. And I'm looking forward to see who they do bring in, but I think Klopp, like Dave says, he likes his young players too. He likes to give these guys a good chance and uh some of the squad players just don't seem to leave when when they underperform because he gives them more chances and Shakiri's one of those, Origi's one of those. He keeps them around and maybe there's, you know, potential to make a sale here but the market is, you know, a little tougher during these covid times. So I don't know if they're going to leave either. And so we end up with bit of a bloated squad and I think the homegrown players rule kind of handicaps us where um, we may have already filled our foreign quota so to speak and now we almost need to bring in another British player uh, to balance that out so that we don't end up having to leave someone off the roster.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah so that's a good point you make about the young players because there's lots of rumors swirling around about some of them of the the Harry Wilsons of the world, the, the Ryan Brewsters, the Marco Grujic, who out of our, our kind of, um, I would say, rotation squad, sporadic type players in our squad, would you like to see stay uh, and maybe get a shot uh, at Liverpool this year if we weren't to make any more signings?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I'd love to see how Grujic does. You know, he was signed. He was Klopp's first signing. Five years ago, and now he's had a couple of years playing for uh, Hertha Berlin in Germany, and he's done well. So he's got a potential. He's got the physique. He's got the midfield qualities. But is he going to get a chance? We have so many, you know, high quality professional midfielders. I don't know if he'll get a chance. I do like Nico Williams, and I think he's already looking very good as Trent's backup at right back. And there's, there's some good young defenders there, Sepp Vanderberg and Kiana Hoover, but are they just a little too young to fill in at that critical uh, position at this stage?
0: Yeah, yeah, it seems that way for sure. Uh, maybe, Blake, I'll, I'll throw to you here on, and kind of piggybacking on what Colin had to say there. If we were to bring in some other positions, um, who do you think we should – still go after in terms of position wise and if you have names in mind too throw some names around but I'm I'm definitely curious to get your thoughts
3: um honestly I think that getting Samikas was the right thing to do because I think the biggest gap was the left back and now that there is a filling there I think they've got pretty good coverage overall I do think that Maybe the center backs might be a little thin now. Like uh, Colm was saying, the guys that would be coming up to replace them are still very young. So if something happened to Van Dyke, who do you have to really slot yeah. in? You've got, yeah. You've got Gomez, totally. and like bad up, I guess. But yeah, it's really pretty thin because Lauren's gone now. So there's even one less now. So maybe a center back, maybe someone who's kind of older and would kind of just fade out once their contract's up while the other guys get some experience as I grow up. So maybe a center back. Um, No one in particular I have in mind, but
0: yeah, I think that
3: might be Go ahead. Somebody like
0: Ragnar Klavan. Remember when we brought in? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He was, he was the captain of a very mid table German side. And he was, he was solid. Like I don't ever remember him playing and being like super disappointed on how he played. He always mm-hmm. just he slid into the team when he was needed, very professional and just solid. And I remember I remember him scoring that injury time winner against Burnley. Oh what a just, moment.
3: Just losing
0: my mind because it was Clavan who scored it. <laughs> just became a, Ragnar. a hero.
3: Yeah, um, exactly. Someone like that should I think be a target maybe just for this extra coverage so that the young guys aren't under so much pressure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, some names that have been thrown around is Thiago from from Bayern Munich, and he's he's a big, big, big name uh, in in world football. And maybe, maybe Dave, you have some thoughts on this? Kind of how do you see Thiago fitting into the system if we were actually to to sign him?
1: Oh, um, I think it'd be an asset for sure. I think. And no, midfield is an interesting one for, for me, for Liverpool, because we've got, I wouldn't say we have a single big standout. We've got just a bunch of workhorses. That's what we've mm. got. So we've got people who can run all day, like Milner and Henderson. And we've got people who anchor everything, like Fabinho. Like We've got a few of these names that can, that can kind of do everything. So having, having a, a name like Thiago in there, uh, I feel, I don't know, my, my feelings on the Liverpool's midfield is that there's five or six guys there that you could pretty much put in interchangeably and they get the job done. But we don't have that one name that, like, you just wait for them to get the ball every time. And I think Thiago could be that for us.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's great insight. I think I agree with you 100%. Let's just quickly go around the horn here and we can start with start with you Colin Uh, maybe one if we had one signing left this window what position and what player would you sign in in reason and we'll go Colin we'll go Blake Dave and then I'll end it okay
2: oh man that's a good question
0: well I'm assuming Tiago's coming even
2: today's news it sounds like he's agreeing personal terms and uh, just needs the deal with Byron to go through so I think if, if we assume we're getting him and we still need to get another big name in or a big, um, you know, quality player in, you know, I've been banging this drum for like three years. We need another winger who's got pace because Salah and Mane are fantastic, but there's no one competing for their position or pushing them or even to fill in when they're, you know, playing back-to-back games. And I think we've lost the first month. Of the regular calendar here, but we're going to have the same number of games. So it's mm. going to be back to back to back like never before because of the times we live in. And so they need the odd game where they can come off at 60 or be a sub. And uh, Ariki doesn't cut it. Shakiri doesn't cut it for me. And so, is there a name out there? Adama Traore. Oh my goodness! <laughs> that just change, change everything. It'd be great.
0: Great pick. Blake, how about you?
3: I really like Collins' picks, um, but I would counter and say that there's a lot of midfield players that if Salah or Mane or someone got injured, you could rearrange the team a bit and maybe throw up like a Minamino or a Keda up there and make it work. It wouldn't be obviously as good, but I think there's space to like fill in those gaps. Whereas, as I mentioned before, the center back, if you got an injury, it'll be pretty thin. So I'd say a center back and... I don't know anyone that's super old and kind of fading out that's kind of just quality but that's what I would say. But a would be amazing too. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that Triore pick. I if yeah that's a fantastic pick. How about you uh, Dave? Yeah I think so. the back's probably the
1: probably the one that I'm most nervous about. Like the Van I, I think started every game last season. Mm-hmm. Um and between Gomez and Matip I've got no problem with either of them but I think if it was just Gomez and Matip and one of you know you run the risk of one of them getting injured I feel much better having someone in there um I don't have a name for you um I've been racking my brain for the last few minutes trying to think of who would fit but um
0: no that's fair I'm sure Ragnar
1: Clavin can put his boots on again.
2: That's yeah, right. Yeah. Back,
0: yeah. I'm yeah. banging the same drum though. I'm, I'm on the centre-back train. And I think, I think yeah. that Kabak guy from Schalke would be a good option. He'd be expensive, but, but he's young and he's big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think he could be a good option to, to replay. We know Mattip's going to get injured this year. That's just a given. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, so I think we will we will need to get somebody, but there is that one kid um, that has been playing Kumatio, who's kind of he's a big boy, six foot four. I don't know where he came from, but he just popped up and he's been playing. Yeah. So they might end up using him in the rotation this year. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're coming up to the first week of games here on Saturday. Um, the first game is Fulham versus Arsenal. So what I thought we could do is go around the horn uh, and pick pick our teams. Um, sorry, not our teams, but who's going to win uh, each game. So I'll start with Fulham versus Arsenal as the first game to kick off the 2020-2021 uh, Premier League calendar. Uh, Colin, who do you have, Fulham or Arsenal, and what's your score?
2: Oh, it's an Arsenal win. I think Aubameyang's on fire. 3-1 and uh, he scores a hat-trick and then drops something,
1: like a trophy or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, to, he seems to do that often. How about you, Dave? <laughs> Pull him an arsenal.
1: There's got to be Arsenal. They're on such a roll after uh, Ch- Community Shield and, and uh, yeah, everything they've – yeah, they're just on fire.
4: So, yeah. And
1: so um, it's always high for that those teams coming up. It's always one team – Two teams struggle and one
0: team does all right. I think Fulham's going to struggle. Yeah, I agree. I think Fulham's in, in tough here. I think Arsenal's going to walk away. Blake, are you on the same page?
3: I want to say Fulham, but Aubameyang, I think, is also just on fire. So he'll probably yeah. carry the team if he needs to. If Aubameyang's not playing, maybe Fulham have a chance. <laughs> it's personal <laughs> hacks otherwise, but
0: uh, yeah. yeah. He's an animal, yeah. that guy. Okay, our our game, 10.30 a.m. Friday or sorry. Saturday morning, Liverpool versus Leeds. Probably, arguably, the best game of the opening weekend besides maybe Tottenham and Everton. That'll be a good one. But uh, Agreed. We'll, start, we'll start with you, Blake. Um, where are you going, Liverpool versus Leeds?
3: got to be Liverpool.
0: Yep, darn Yeah, right. no question. I hope. <laughs> I'm on the same page. I, yeah. same page. I, I think we'd be betraying betraying our our team if we picked anybody else. But how about you, Colin? Yeah, 2-1
2: Liverpool. Close game, but uh, we'll edge it. How about you, Dave?
1: Uh, 3-2 Liverpool. I think it's going to be a real fight.
3: Yeah, I can see this one being a tough one. Leeds coming up, feeling pretty confident. Liverpool were kind of dropping off a bit. I think they might have just got complacent after knowing that they've won and they kind of just didn't care. So they might be on like a downward trend and Leeds are on an upward trend. So it might be a bit of a clash, but... Yeah, yeah
0: I'm looking forward to it.
3: Um, James
2: Milner. James Milner to
0: score. <laughs> yeah, penalty. That would be penalty, for sure. <laughs> but if he scores a pen, we're guaranteed to win. That's the thing, so. It's true, that's
1: yeah.
0: Crazy. I love that stat. That's a great one. Um, okay, another team that's up and coming. Uh, back to the Prem. West Brom. The boringest team ever. Um <laughs> they- <laughs> They they don't scream excitement to me, but um maybe West, West Brom versus Leicester City. Uh, I'll start with you, Dave. Where are you where are you at on that one?
1: Yeah, Leicester all the way. Uh, I agree with you. Um, my goodness, I was I was not upset when West Brom went down. <laughs> yeah. seasons ago. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, Leicester they dropped off a little bit last end of last season this summer, but they're a great team and they've. They've uh, made one good looking signing, so I think they'll be winning for sure. Probably, I'm guessing 3 0.
0: Yeah, awesome. Colin, where are you at on this game?
2: Yeah, Lester's going to take it. I think Vardy is uh, the quality there, so give it to Lester.
0: Blake,
3: how about you? Yeah, it's got to be consensus here. Lester's going to win it, I'd say. West Brom or, I don't know. I was, yeah, I was on the same page as Dave. I was kind of happy when they went down. <laughs> I think a different team would come up, honestly. It's hard to them because they're pretty boring. So, yeah, I'll say 2-0 Leicester.
0: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 3-0 Leicester City. Um, that's my prediction. So Sheffield United, one of the biggest surprises of the season last year. Um, they were just a very solid team. And, uh, yeah, a great finish in the end mid-table for them. But uh, definitely a surprise for me. They're coming up against Wolves in Week 1. Um, Blake, where are you feeling this game?
3: This is kind of a tough one because they're pretty evenly matched teams. I think they were Wolves yeah. six and Sheffield was seventh last season. Totally, so they're very, very close. And I probably give it to. Oh, that's a tough one. I feel like it's going to be all attack for Wolves and Sheffield's going to park the bus, but I think Wolves might take it. Might be close, like a one nothing.
0: Okay, how about you, Colin?
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, Wolves have the uh, quality there, but they're the away team and Sheffield United was so good last year. I agree. It's a tough call, but Adama Traore
0: is going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, how about you?
1: Yeah, I'm with Wolves as well. I think Wolves has the potential to, to not top them out of the top six spot for me. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're going to be a solid team for the next few years and they've also made some decent signings, so I'm gonna go for wolves uh,
0: two nil. No. I'm gonna rock the boat a little bit here. I'm gonna go for a one-one draw. I think Sheffield's okay. gonna hold them. Um, I th- I think it's early. It's the first game of the year. Uh, it looks to me like Santos, the 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 coach, has raided Portugal again uh, first for some more <laughs> signings. So it might take them a little bit to settle in. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm going for a one-one draw. Nice um, safe bet. Okay. Yeah, it's a nice safe bet. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, Crystal Palace versus Southampton. It's it's the it's the Danny Ings show these days. And yes. I'm interested to, to get your guys' opinion. Um, I'll start with you, Dave. Where do you feel in this game?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, They're pretty evenly matched. I think Southampton will edge it. I think Crystal Palace is relying a little too much on Zaha last couple of seasons, and Southampton, yeah, I mean, you could say the exact same thing about Ings, <laughs> but I think Southampton's a slightly better team, so I'm going to go
2: 2-1. Awesome. Colin? Well, you got two Liverpool strikers playing, haven't you? Ben Teke on one team and Ings on the other, <laughs> and, and as Liverpool fans, it's no surprise which one we like better. So Southampton.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, Blake. Mm.
3: Yeah, I feel like Southampton's a better team, but I could see it going either way, honestly. I feel like Crystal Palace could go down even this year. And I do like Southampton. Ings is, was on fire last year. So if you can hold that form, I think Southampton can take it. But Southampton's team otherwise I don't think is very strong. So if some people are not performing, it could go either way. Maybe a 1-1 draw. I'll do that one, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I am liking Southampton in this one for sure. I think Danny Ings is... Uh, just coming off an England call up. I think he's feeling excited. He's feeling good. And he's I'm I'm happy for him. I'm a little sad we got rid of him, but mm, I don't know why we did. So I'm gonna go three two Southampton. I think Crystal Palace will nab a couple. I think I think Wilfred Zaha will be will be feeling it. And I think Michi Bachuire is gonna get uh gonna get off the off the snide as they say. Um Ooh, nice couple more we'll flip through here. I know we're running low on time, but uh, West Ham versus Newcastle. Um, it's it's going to be Newcastle. They've, they've made some good signings. Uh, where are you at, Blake? I just
3: want to double-check Newcastle signings here. Callum uh, Wilson. Oh, that's, that's right. That's right, yes. That's um, big news
0: for me. Yeah, Callum Wilson. That's a, that's a good pickup for them from, from uh, Burnmouth.
3: Yeah, I would, say, guy. I would say. I would say Newcastle might take this one, yeah. I feel okay. like this will be a close game too, but if someone's going to win it, it'll probably be Newcastle.
0: Yeah, they rated they rated Bournemouth. They got they got Ryan Frazier as well. Um Colin, how are you feeling here?
2: Oh, this one's nil nil and even the, the <laughs> player, players on the bench fall asleep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so
0: nice. I'm actually with you on that. I was thinking nil-nil as well. It sounds a bit like a, a snooze fest. But, Dave, are you, where are you at? Uh, you
1: guys all edge of one, though. But it won't be an exciting game.
0: It'll <laughs> be a 95th-minute winner.
3: Yeah. <laughs> After the goalie falls yeah. asleep. Someone fell asleep, yeah. yeah.
2: I was going to
0: say the fans fall asleep,
2: but there won't be any
0: there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't blame them.
2: No. Yeah, they're happy on this one.
0: Yeah. Tottenham and Everton, the big game of the weekend. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one, hoping to catch it. But uh, but Blake, we'll start with you. How are you feeling on this one?
3: I'm going to say Everton's going to win it. Wow. Which might be a little bit of a surprise, but yeah, I'm going to be bold and say Everton because I feel like Tottenham, I don't know. I feel like they're overrated and they're going to fall <laughs> this year. So,
0: Okay. So there's a lot awesome. of
3: complacency in Tottenham after like never winning anything like ever, and Everton just got some good <laughs> signings, so they might be looking to get at them. So I'll say Everton.
0: Okay. How about you, Colin?
2: Oh, this one's got uh, four four written all over it.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. These are
2: these are teams without goalies. Like Jordan Pickford, <laughs> he has no arms, and Laurice, <laughs> <laughs> and Well, he was good seven years ago or something. So. They've got there
3: Joe
2: Hart now. Oh, Joe Hart. Yeah. Wow, that doesn't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think it'll be a big game, an exciting game, and lots of goals.
0: Okay. Dave, how about you? Oh, yeah.
1: I, think I can see some goals. I think Everton's going to win it, too, actually. I think Tom Everton uh, I mean, they've got some great players. I love Son. He's, he's a bit of a man crush for me. I think he's excellent. But uh, I just I don't think they, they're playing as a team. Like, yeah. it's pretty hard to watch. And um, it's hard because I don't think I've liked uh, Mourinho more than I have when he's been at Tottenham. Um, but I just don't think he's working for the team. So I, I think Everton's 3-1.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah I uh, I'm – I kind of am with Colin. I think there's a lot of goals in this one both ways. I think uh I th- I think defensively, uh Everton's gonna be all over the place, but I think they're gonna just kinda throw um caution to the wind in terms of going forward. I think Richarlison uh and James will be kind of running the show there, but I think Harry Kane's gonna gonna terrorize Pickford. So totally. I I think I won't be maybe be as aggressive as a four four, but I think I'm gonna be <laughs> A 3-3. Three, three. <laughs> nice. So the last game is Brighton versus Chelsea. We've talked about uh, Chelsea's firepower and who they've brought in. I'll I'll maybe kick it off. I think Chelsea's going to blow the doors off Brighton. Uh, I think it's – I'm going to go 4-0 Chelsea in this one. Um, and I think I'm I'm predicting uh, a brace for Werner. Ziyech uh, isn't playing. I heard he's injured. So – um, but, but yeah, I think Pulisic might pitch in one and maybe I'll give uh Giroux off the bench for a header, uh, something <laughs> like that as he typically likes to do, but maybe I'll toss it to you, Colin.
2: Well, Adam Lallana is going to be playing for Brighton and, you know, he'll be good for the first three games of the season. So he'll score against Chelsea's terrible goalie. <laughs> so, uh, 17-1 Chelsea.
0: Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe oh, seven one.
1: Okay. Let's go with that.
0: <laughs> okay, perfect. Dave, how about you?
1: Oh, uh, Chelsea. There's no other team. I'm more excited to watch this season. To be honest, I think it's going to be like just fun every minute they're on the field. And I, this is going to be a, a four or five nil no for me. Yeah,
3: yeah, I'm with you, Blake. I think for sure Chelsea is going to win it. They've I feel like a lot of excitement in their team right now, so they're going to be in a good mood for it. And Brighton might be a little scared seeing all these signings come in, so it might be a little intimidating. So, yeah, I think Chelsea's going to clinch this one for sure. But I do think if Lalana can stay healthy, he'll pull an in Ings and be, like, sensational this year. <laughs> nice. So, but, yeah, the Chelsea's going to win this game, I think. so.
0: Yeah, I sure hope he's not like Danny Ings. That was painful.
3: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. All right.
0: So we're, we're coming right to the end here, but I wanted to end it off with making our preseason Premier League champions predictions. Um, and starting with you, Colin, who do you think come May is going to be lifting the Premier League trophy?
2: Okay, so here's an interesting stat I saw when I was uh, deeply looking through stats, <laughs> which I don't really do. But no one has retained the, ch- the Premier League title since 2007 and 8 when Alex Ferguson was Manchester United coach. Wow. So by retained like I mean won it twice in a row like it just mm-hmm. hasn't happened. We've had Leicester and Chelsea and Man City and and us all winning it but uh, it's, it's very hard to retain it. And I think um Man City did two in a row didn't they
0: just recently?
2: No, it was split up by Chelsea I think yeah or Leicester so yeah Um, no one's retained it so I think uh, Liverpool is favorite because we won it by 17 million points last season (laughs) but uh, and the reality is if we had kept going without COVID we really would have won it by 30 points it's ridiculous how we just left the foot off the gas after when we'd already won the thing so it's hard to predict against Liverpool. And and I do think Klopp, here's the thing, there's progression with Klopp's team every year. They get better every single season uh, since he's taken over. For five years, they've improved and then built on that and built on that and built on that. I don't think they'll build on it this year simply because of the the rush of games with the uh, COVID schedule. And because we decided not to splash cash in this uh, financial crisis of the world, which I think was wise by John Henry, the owner. He, uh, he's a good businessman, but he's not an oligarch, and he doesn't own a country like uh, Chelsea's and Man City's owners. So I think uh, he's done well to just hold off and say, let's see if we can repeat what we did last year and, and attack this league, as Klopp's quote. He's not going to defend it. He's going to attack it. Um, And I think we will retain it. I'm going to say we'll retain it by, you know, much less points uh, and much less blow away because the other teams have strengthened their weaknesses. You know, Chelsea, they couldn't find a, a good consistent attacking trio. And now they've got all these players. Man City, they had Otamendi. Well, they've replaced him. They've got, you know, Ake in. And I think that'll help. Man City big time. They lost Sané, but they've got Ferran Torres in, right? So I think Man City will strengthen and have strengthened. Man U was on a bit of a tear at the end. Arsenal's looking better. All the teams around Liverpool are looking better, but I still think Klopp just has this way of dragging the the mentality monsters out of those players and helping them win even when they aren't playing the best. And that's what got us the title we played the best for two years and didn't win the league and then we didn't play the best last year but we won every game pretty much and won the league and so he's figured out how to get them winning even when they aren't you know producing a 10 out of 10 performance and that's what I think Klopp will do to retain it I think Man City will be right on our heels and I think um Chelsea and Man will scrap for third and fourth.
0: Okay, Dave, what about you? Oh, yeah, I think
1: I think it's going to be. I can honestly see it being a four-horse race for for top this year, not for second, but actually for top. Like, I, I, I do honestly think Chelsea's going to be way closer. Um, I think I think I'm still going to go with Liverpool to win it. But I think Chelsea might be second, to be honest. Um, and well, and Man, City, like I think it'll. I don't think there'll be a twenty-five point gap this year. That's for sure. Um, it's going to be a lot closer. Um, I think Man U will be doing really, really well until the first time they have to play in their third kit, and then <laughs> they're just gonna—they're <laughs> not going to be able to handle anyone. And yeah, hand
0: embarrassment. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The referees.
3: <laughs> oh man, they oh, look man. like a
0: bunch of hockey refs.
3: <laughs> a bunch of inmates
4: here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you saw all the Harry Maguire Yeah, that's
4: yeah. right. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> those are good. Oh, good times. But um, in all honesty, they're gonna they're gonna be doing well. I think Leicester will do well. So I think I think it's gonna be way closer. I think I predict like 20 points between the top six this year, as opposed to. 20
0: points between the top two yep okay very good Blake
3: uh it's, I agree with what Dave's saying about four leg race I think it's going to be very tight um I don't see City winning it personally I think in the locker room the mentality might not be there because they've fallen out of the Champions League and they mm. lost it last year and I think mm. they might be kind of dragging their heels a bit. So I think City might fall off a bit this year. Um, Or if not, they'll crush teams that are worse than them. But when they face higher-up teams, they might not win the games and they'll lose the league because of that. Mm. I could see Chelsea really being a strong push this year after these signings. So I don't know if Liverpool will win it again because, again, they were kind of complacent at the end of the season. So they might carry that into the start of the season and lose a lot of points and not be able to pull through. And I think Chelsea is going to be ripping out the gate. So I'm going to, and their goalie is terrible Chelsea. So, but I think they might pull like a Liverpool of the uh, 2013, 14, I think season when they were just scoring five goals a game. And so if they got four against them, it didn't matter because they were just going to score more. Chelsea (laughs) Chelsea might be doing something similar and they might pull it off. So I'm going to go with Chelsea, maybe.
0: All right, okay, that's it, yeah. That's a big call. That is a big call. I I agree, kind of to some degree, to what all of you are saying. I think I think Blake. I definitely agree with what you said about Manchester City kind of being fragile-minded a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. It does it does seem that there is kind of a bit of a some shaky ground there for for many reasons. I think the lack of success in the Premier League last year, the lack of success in the Champions League last year. Um, I think this might be Pep Guardiola's last year at Man City if he doesn't have success in either of those. And I don't see him having success in either of those this year. I think Man City will do well to win the league. Uh, I think they'll be sniffing around it, but I, I don't think they're going to win. Uh, I think Man U... I still think Man U are still uh, a ways away from challenging for the league. I think there's still... I think they're top four, but I don't think they're going to be challenging for the league. I think they're still, still weak at the back, and I think we've seen that David de Gea is uh, aging, and he's um, not not as good as he used to be for sure. And I think I think they're really strong up front. And what you said about them being about Chelsea being like the 2013, 14 Liverpool, I kind of see to some degree. Man, U being that way. Um, I, I think they can, they can score goals at will, it seems, but they seem to be pretty fragile at the back with Slabhead uh, <laughs> leading their defense. Um, so I, I'm with you on Chelsea. I think my prediction for the year is Chelsea's going to win league, and I think it's going to be a really close battle with Liverpool, but I think Liverpool, uh, I, I don't think they have enough coverage for injuries, and I just kind of foresee with the schedule... Liverpool getting plagued by injuries and not affecting them in, in the Premier League. And I think uh, it might be to the demise of them winning the league. So I think, I think I'm think i going to go with Chelsea as well.
2: Mm. Wow, huge calls, you guys.
0: A couple Chelsea picks and a couple of Liverpool picks. So it'll be interesting to see how the games play out. But um, sadly, we've come to the end of our time for episode seven, but it's been an absolute pleasure being able to talk with you boys uh, about all the transfers the new season uh, in Liverpool and we'll make sure to have um, plenty of check-ins over the course of the season and we're really looking forward to seeing how our team Liverpool does uh, as the season progresses awesome
2: awesome yes yeah, a lot of fun to be on thanks
0: guys well look yeah to thanks so talk. much for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you next time Great. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye. Let's get ready to rumble!
4: (laughs) Hi, I'm Nico, your lacrosse insider, and this is your PLL season review. The PLL kicked off its second season in Utah calling it the championship series where they played 20 games in just 16 games. The regular season went off without a hitch with breakout performances from newcomers Zed Williams of the Whipsnakes and Curtis Dixon of Chaos, who is also the star player for the Calgary Roughnecks in indoor. The biggest shocks from the championship series regular season is the Whipsnakes going undefeated after losing four offensive starters in the expansion draft. However, the most disappointing team is the 0-4 Chaos, who seemed to have gotten better in the offseason when really fell very flat when it came time for group play. However, in the Piola Championship Series, every team makes the final playoffs. In Game 1, we had Redwoods and Waterdogs. Redwoods would go on to win that game in a rather convincing victory, however, it was a very solid first season. By water dogs, the second game, uh, Chrome versus Chaos was supposed to be a cakewalk for the surprise Chrome. However, Chaos would upset that game. Last game of the uh, first round was Archers versus Atlas. Atlas fell flat, and Archers rolled right on by. In the semifinals, the Whip Snakes played their first game of the elimination bracket. And won an overtime thriller off of a goal by Jeremy Sieverts, bouncing the ball high-to-high to send them to the championship game. The second game, Chaos and Archers, was very supposed to be a very easy win for Archers. And then in all reality, Chaos came in and slipped under and ended up beating Archers to make it to the championship game after winning zero group play games. Then in the championship game, Chaos jumped out to a quick early 6-2 lead, but then, nearing the end of the third quarter, led by Zed Williams, the Whipsnakes went on a 10-0 run to end up winning the game 12-6. That fourth quarter push helped cement the Whipsnakes winning their second overall PLL championship in only two seasons of competing. The PLL MVP award went to Zed Williams with 20 total goals and only uh, 20 total goals off of 59 shots. Total points, though, however, was won by Matt Rambo with 25 when Zed Williams finished in second with only 23. Sergio Perkovic dropped six two-point goals, which was three times more than anyone else in the league. Christian Mazone of Archers had the best shooting percentage with 69%, while faceoff percentage went to Joe Nardella with 72%. Won. However, arguably, Defensive Player of the Year Matt McMahon tied for cause turnovers with Cade Van Rapphorst with 12 apiece. This PLL season was definitely a one off that featured surprise surprise performances from guys like Zed Williams, Zach Courier, star rookie Grant Ament, Brian Costabile. However, looking forward to year three should add just even more variety to the PLL because in every category except two-point goals and shot percentage and cause turnovers, the Whip Snakes pretty much swept the league. I'm Nico from Redline Podcast, and that is your lacrosse report.
0: Let's get ready to rumble!
5: <laughs> hey, hey, everybody, how's it going? My name is Jonathan Verstegen, and I'm going to be sharing a golf update with you guys today. A uh, little bit of background for all of you <laughs> that don't know me. I live in Southern California, born and raised here, grew up playing hockey, uh, still play hockey, but was turned on to golf about four or five years ago and just been absolutely uh, and utterly addicted ever since. Um, I live with my wife, Melissa, and our dog, Ezzy. You may hear Ezzy from time to time. We call her a whistle. She doesn't bark or anything, but she has this high pitched kind of shrill whistle sound that, that she releases. So you might hear that. Um, but yeah, getting right into it. It's been a really truly exciting, uh, past few weeks on tour with the conclusion of the FedEx Cup. Uh, so they had the playoffs the last few weeks. Ultimately, Dustin Johnson was able to be crowned victorious as the FedEx Cup champion for the first time in his career. And he now has more FedEx Cup playoff victories than anybody else, just edging out, uh, I believe, it was Rory McIlroy. He was tied with for a while, um, perhaps Tiger as well. Uh, Rory and Tiger still have more FedEx Cups in general. This was DJ's first one, but it was a huge breakthrough moment for him, as it was, you know, his first time actually uh, clinching it. So, flash, uh, flashback. Let's go through the the actual playoff events, starting with the Northern Trust. And we saw Dustin Johnson absolutely obliterate the field. He shot negative 30 for the week, tying the second best score to par ever on the PGA Tour. Um, and he won by 11 strokes. So truly magnific- uh, magnificent uh, performance by DJ. He also shot a 60, which could have been much lower uh, throughout the week. He went 11 under through the first 11 holes uh, during one of his rounds. Uh, and then kind of just parred out from there. So... Definitely left a little bit on the table, but still a 60 is is more than respectable. And he ended up again winning by 11 strokes. So that was the first playoff event. The next week was the BMW, uh, where DJ ultimately finished second to John Rahm, who won in very dramatic fashion. And this was one of the most entertaining tournaments as far as the way it ended um, that I've seen in a very long time. Dustin Johnson needed to win. Sorry, needed to make a birdie putt on 18 to force a playoff against John Rahm. A huge double breaker and he just absolutely drains it. Talk about a clutch putt. One of the most clutch putts that I've ever seen. And you really just wish the fans were there for it, right? They would have just erupted. The camera would have been shaking. Like the energy there would have been just unreal. Um, but I was left <laughs> watching it while my wife was asleep, trying to freak out without waking her up, doing really silent fist pumps in bed. Um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty fun to watch. So we forced the playoff. But John Rahm says, "Okay, uh, I'm not going to let that get to me. In fact, I see the putt that you just made, DJ. Hold my beer. I'm going to make one twice as long." And sure enough, on the first playoff hole, Dustin Johnson, you know, hits his approach shot to you know within 20 feet or so, and John Rahm found himself playing from the rough, and he left himself a 66-foot putt. The announcers were all talking about how difficult of a two-putt it was going to be. And sure enough, John rom absolutely nails this putt it's a one in a hundred putt and he makes birdie and he lets out such a just a an outpour of excitement that was so fun to watch and even the few 10 12 volunteers that were around there just absolutely went berserk so fun to watch DJ still had a chance to tie, but unfortunately he missed that putt and John rom you know won that tournament so. Really excited for John Rom. Quick side note on that is that John Rom was assessed a one stroke penalty, um, in one of the previous rounds. I believe it was the day before. Just a harebrained moment. He moved his ball, picked up his ball on the putting green without marking it, which you can't do. Uh, and he realized it right away. He wasn't trying to get away with anything. He just he just forgot. Um, so he was assessed a one-stroke penalty, but he didn't let it get to him. The old John Rom would have been shook by that. He would have gotten angry and probably played himself out of it and kind of self-destructed. Um, but he hung on tight. And you have to know, stepping up to that first playoff hole, he was probably thinking like, "Wow, if I didn't do that stupid mistake, this tournament would already be over. I would have won by one stroke." But he held on and he did what he had to do to make that putt. So really great stuff by John Rahm. DJ still, however, entered the final tournament in the number one seed because he had won two weeks before that. The week before that, he got solo second um, and he had played well enough well enough throughout the season to secure that first position. So he started at negative 10 for the week. John Rahm started at negative eight. Justin Thomas at negative seven, so on and so forth. That's the new format that they've been doing last year and this year, um, just to make it kind of easier to understand how this tournament impacts the the actual FedEx Cup itself. Um, whoever wins that tournament now wins the FedEx Cup. It used to be separate. You would have to win this tournament and then points would be calculated and then see if you would still win the FedEx Cup. There would oftentimes be two separate winners. This makes sure that they're both one kind of unified winner um, so DJ was able to hold on and he increased his two shot lead to a three shot lead by the end of the week. The reason this tournament was so exciting as well, uh, was that the first, second, and third positions in the FedEx cup, um, matched perfectly with the first, second, and third positions of the world golf ranking. So you had the best three players in the world also at the top of their game in time for the FedEx cup, really exciting golf, uh, was played and ultimately DJ held on. Little bit of controversy though about the format. Some people don't like that you start with uh, an advantage if you're in the first seed, um, and that the players in the you know the lower seeds don't really have as much of a chance to win the tournament. I am a fan. I think you know the players earn their right to be there, and they ought to be rewarded for playing better throughout the playoffs and throughout the season. Uh, so I am a fan, and still anybody can win. I think Justin Thomas, in fact, is a great example of that. He started in the first position last year at 10-under, and Rory came back in one. So you still have to be able to play four great rounds of golf, even if you go in in that first seed. So glad to see DJ was able to do that. Um, speaking of Justin Thomas, though, he was actually named the Player of the Year by the PGA of America. So uh, quick little golf claps for JT. Really excited to see that. He played better than DJ throughout the entire year. DJ did struggle after the return to golf. He shot several rounds in the 80s, missed a few cuts. Um, He just got really hot in time for the playoffs, but JT did have a better season all the way through more consistently. So great to see that. Um, Side note, there is still the PGA Tour Player of the Year that is different from the PGA of America Player of the Year. It's all very confusing, but one of them is points-based. That's what JT won. The tour player of the year is voted on by the tour players themselves. So could be JT, could be DJ. Um, I think those are the two leading candidates. I can't really see it going to anybody else, but that'll come up here and be announced within the next few weeks, maybe sooner. Um, and then the final talking point, the U.S. Open is right around the corner on the 17th. Big news Brooks Kepka has withdrawn from the tournament and media and golf fans are just having such a fun time with this because, as you know, if you watch the PGA Championship, Brooks Kepka had some very arrogant things to say before heading into the final round, basically saying he wasn't concerned about anybody else in the field. DJ's only won one major. Nobody else here knows how to close. I have what it takes. I'm probably going to win this golf tournament. I like my chances. And then he goes out and shoots plus four and has no chance of winning after the, after the round is done. He has to walk off with his tail between his legs and has to eat his words. So the fact now that he is withdrawing from the US Open, uh, even though he says it's due to injury, he's probably telling the truth. I see no reason to believe otherwise. But one could make the case that maybe it's an injury to his pride more than anything else. Um, so that's going to be fun to see how that unfolds with, with as the next major appears and, uh, with the masters coming up in November. Let's see if he's ready to, ready to take that on and if he's healed, whether it is physically or whether if he's healed his, uh, his mental fortitude by then, whatever it may be. But that's it for me. Uh, this is Jonathan. Again, I'm really excited to be the Redline Golf Insider, and I'll be looking forward to bringing you guys further updates uh, within the next few months. Thank you so much.